So, welcome back to Sunday School at Tapestry. Guess who we're talking about today? Nope. <laughs> Suckers. Uh, we're talking about this guy. This is Peter. Right? Right? Now, you might be like, wait, now, doesn't that look like another character? Shh. This is Peter. <laughs> Right, And we had heard a little bit uh, about Peter last week, because if you were with us last week, um, there was a situation in which Jesus had asked him in a very dire moment to come and pray with him. And we looked at how this was Jesus' most desperate hour. And, and Peter, if you were here last week, you know, Peter, when he faced that call from Jesus, um, proceeded to promptly fall asleep, right? And so um, this is right after that event, Jesus had been arrested right after that. And here's Peter and, and uh, he finds himself just outside where Jesus is being held. And there's a crowd gathered and they're all looking at Peter and, and uh, somebody comes out of the crowd. And it was, uh, let's see who it's going to be. It was this, it was this, uh, this lady right here. She came out of the crowd and she looks at Peter knowing that Jesus is just inside being arrested and kind of the tide has turned and people are, are against Jesus now. And she looks at him and she says, hey, I recognize you. You were with Jesus. To which Peter replies promptly, no, I wasn't. You must be thinking of somebody else. Nope, wasn't me, wasn't me, wasn't me. So she says, all right. And so she kind of buys it and I guess and Probably doesn't. Probably know he's lying because, you know, that's what guys do. So then not too long, another girl steps up. No, I'm pretty sure it was you. No, I, you know, I, it was you. I'm pretty sure. And even more strongly this time, he says, no, 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 no. I swear, I do not know the guy. Not a bit. So she's like, yeah whatever you got to tell yourself. She kind of joins the crowd. Eventually, a guy steps up out of the crowd. He says kind of a weird thing. He says, no, it was you. And Peter gets ready to start his, his protest. And he goes, no, it's your accent. Your accent gives you away. Now, I'm not an expert on Jewish accents, so I'm assuming that there's a little bit of an accent difference between up north in the Galilee area and down in Jerusalem where this was all taking place. And there weren't too many Galileans down in Jerusalem at the time. And so he's like, you must be one of them because you sound like you're from up there. And at this point, Peter not only denies ever knowing Jesus, but he does it with a curse. Like he curses, says, no, I absolutely do not know the man. Now, from everything we know of Peter after this, this is kind of a shocking moment. We know that, we know that Peter was the one Right? Peter was the one that like when Jesus was doing his whole ministry and all of his stuff and explaining things and doing things, Peter was the one that even though he missed the point most of the time, he was the one that had the courage to speak up, right? He's the one that had the courage to say something. He's the one that had the courage to try things. Like nobody else, nobody else got out of the boat <laughs> and tried to walk across the storm. Yeah, Peter tried. He, he would try it. And so for him to, in this moment, be to the point to where he had none of that 
confidence, none of that um, backbone, if you will, to stand up for even knowing Jesus. And so last week, when we looked at this specific example of prayer that Jesus gave us, right? We talked about how that prayer that Jesus prayed, it changed Jesus, right? It didn't change his circumstances because his prayer started out with, hey, can I not do this, God? And I was like, no, it's part of the plan. You know it. And so the prayer changed Jesus. He went from being anxious, being worried, begging God to like, hey, let's not do this. To, if you remember last week, by the end, he was like, went to his sleeping disciples and gave them probably a good swift kick in the ribs and said, hey, get up. Let us face what is coming our direction. And so Jesus went from being afraid and nervous to confident, knowing God was with him. He was doing what he should be doing and he faced it. The guys who didn't pray with Jesus, not so much. Not so much. The unprayed up disciples of which one Peter was one of them. The unprayed up disciples, they went a different way than Jesus. Jesus faced what was coming, took it head on. The disciples, no, 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 no. They showed their weakness. And when it comes to our weaknesses, and this is true of our strengths as well, um, there, there's a critical element that goes into our weaknesses and our strengths. Right, and, and the critical element is decision-making. It's decision-making, right? We make decisions that can either strengthen us or weaken us. We, we make decisions that either move us forward where we need to be or take us somewhere else completely, right? So in an effort to help all of us take steps in the right direction, take steps that strengthen us, um, you know, whether that be wherever you're making your decisions, so that, you know, in your is strengthening, you know, your, your, yourself personally, strengthening relationships that you have, whatever, whatever decision you might want to be doing, there's a question that we can look at to help us make decisions in the moment. Right now, now, while you can ask yourself this question for any decision, it, 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 you can do it. It won't be helpful with decisions like, um, what should I have for dinner? Or <laughs> where, what, which clothes should I wear today? Like, it's not going to help with those decisions so much. This is more of a, an important decision. That the, the, the decisions that have major influence on the direction of your life and of your character. And, and there's all kinds of questions that can come up in life like that. Like, do I, do I change jobs? Do I change careers? This is definitely one you want to run that question through. Do I, do I end this relationship that I'm in, right? How do I handle this betrayal, right? Am I going to be honest in this situation? How do I react with what this person has said, right? And those types of decisions, those have the potential to be life-changing, defining moment, send you in completely different direction, type of decisions, right? And many of us look back on those, those defining moments within our life, right? And, and, and many of us can look back and we have relief because as we look back, we realize we made the right choice. Do any of you have relief looking on some moments where you're like, you know, I chose, whew, luckily, not because I was smart. <laughs> I got dumb lucky. I made the right choice, right? Right, but occasionally we look back and, and there's other decisions that we wish we could go back and undo that have led to major pain, led to uh, life being sidetracked for a while. 
led to damage in relationships around us, right? Decisions that took our life to places that we never intended for our life to be. So, so here's the question that we can all filter these decisions through. And that's this, what story do I want to tell? What story do I want to tell? Now, it's not very often that you get the chance to sit down and tell your story to people. Um, in fact, it, it, it's fairly rare, but occasionally it happens. But when it does happen, here's how it goes. It goes like this. It goes, um, you know, your, your, your whole growing up in high school and all of those years, that kind of gets reduced to a sentence, right? Like, well, oh yeah, I went to fill in your high school. I went to Lexington. That's the school I went to, Lexington High School. I, I went to Lexington. I played football and baseball. Bam, there it is. Four years of my life. One sentence. <laughs> right? That's all that is. It gets reduced to that. College, maybe two sentences. You know, the first five to 10 years out of college, when you're starting your career, figuring real life out and what's happening, you know, maybe, maybe three or four sentences in there as you throw in where you work, whatever. But every season of your life, when you retell your story, eventually gets compacted down to two or three sentences. Right, every season. And as you consider decision that you have before you, that, that you have to make a tough decision, th this is the idea I, I wanna try and plant in your mind today. That no matter how big, no matter how complicated the decision is, one day, this decision and what it leads to is going to be reduced to probably about a sentence or two in your life story. And you get to write the sentence. See, that's the great thing about decision-making in life, that it all becomes a story you tell, but you get to write the story. Do other people have impact on the story? Sure. But the overall story, you get to write. And now we don't think of it this way because in decision-making, it's all about the moment. What's happening right now, right? When we're making decisions, we're not thinking about like future and telling a story and like the big picture. Sometimes we do. A lot of times we don't. Especially the, the higher um, the emotion gets within the decision that's being made, the less we think about future down the road, the bigger story. We're thinking in the now, right? And the dilemma for us is that we forget that, that we already have a story up to the point of that decision. This decision is just the next chapter in it. And we forget to consider which of the opportunities or choices um, best fits uh, or, or is the most consistent with the story that we've told so far and the story that we want to tell in the future. And, and this story is a prime example of that. A prime example, somebody who lost sight of the idea that, wait, 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 I've been telling a story, making a story in my life up to this point, and I'm gonna tell this moment later on, and there's a way I want my life to go, and he lost sight of that, and this isn't a chapter in the story that he really wanted to have. And so perhaps as a result of sleeping the night before, instead of having been praying with Jesus, um, he wasn't prepared for this moment that came. So the scriptural version of this story is in Matthew chapter 26 um, that we're going to be looking at. And Jesus was at the end of his ministry. Um, it came time for the part where he was going to go to the cross. 
Jesus has been gathered with the disciples at the last supper, just a little bit before this. He had outed Judas as his betrayer. Things were falling apart. And then he takes them to the garden. That's where they sleep. And Jesus returns and betrays. Judas returns and betrays Jesus. Now, like I said, Peter, he had kind of risen above the pack of the rest of the disciples. Right? And if you read through the gospels, you'll find that Peter, he's really at the center of everything. Right? Disciples did something dumb. Peter was at the center of it. Right? Disciples missed the point and asked silly questions. Peter's at the middle of it. Right? Disciples had faith, did something awesome. Peter's still your guy. Right? Disciples had deep moments of revelation. Peter, that was him, right? And he separated himself so much that Jesus at one point looked at Peter and said, listen, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build this church. But as this night progressed, he, he lost sight of that bigger story. He lost sight of the idea that he was creating and writing a story. And little did he know that his story would be told thousands of years later. So after Jesus was arrested, there was a sham of a trial taking place. And during the initial phase of that trial, here's Peter amongst those gathered in the courtyard outside. And he, here's how the scripture tells this story. Matthew 26, verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. To which as soon as she says that, it's decision time for him. I, I don't know. He was fairly close to the action. That's why he was in the crowd. Many of the disciples had run and hid. Um, but he had heard all of Jesus' amazing teachings, right? He saw the miracles that Jesus performed with his own eyes, like he knew it wasn't just stories that were being passed around. He, he saw the massive crowds that showed up everywhere Jesus went just to catch a glimpse of him, right? He saw the way Jesus interacted with religious leaders and the wisdom that he had as he would, as he would go back and forth and they would try and trap him in different scenarios and he was able to get out of it every single time, right? And everything had really been good up to this point, but now things were anything but good. And listen, this is where most of us, just like Peter, this is where we get tripped up in our lives, right? This, this is when, because there's no, there's no such thing really as an emotionally neutral decision when it comes to important decisions in our life. Most of them will be in the middle of an emotionally charged environment. And those emotions can run the gamut from fear all the way to desire, like, and there can be so many things in between, right? And it's in those moments that most of us allow our emotions, and in his case, fear, to rule us. And make no mistake, this was an emotionally charged environment. Everything he knew was crashing down around him, what he thought was gonna be his future. Remember, it wasn't very long before this that all the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, when are you gonna declare yourself king? Hey, who gets to sit next to you when you're on the throne? Like, this is what he thought he was headed towards. Now, all of a sudden, Jesus is arrested and he's got people questioning him like, wait, you're with him, aren't you? Right? The fellow disciples had fled. That future that he thought he had was now impossible. In fact, if he was paying attention, probably he realized that his very life was on the line. So he had this fear. And Peter, like many of us, allowed the, his emotion to cause him to lose track of the story that he was a part of. 
So here's how he responds to the, to the first girl. He said, verse 70, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said, <laughs> to which I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Maybe, maybe if we give Peter the benefit of the doubt, maybe he wasn't prepared for the question. Maybe he was just so worried about what was going on with Jesus that when people did approach him, it just kind of caught him off guard. You know, uh, there was a lot going on. Perhaps he didn't hear right. It was loud. There was a lot of confusion. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, after all, he didn't say he didn't know Jesus. He said he didn't know what she was talking about. So maybe he just didn't understand, right? Verse 71, then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied it again with an oath. I do not know the man. Well, that was pretty clear, wasn't it? We can't, we can't cut him a whole lot of slack on that one. And within just a few hours, Peter had gone from saying to Jesus' face, even if everyone else falls away on account of you, I will never leave you. He went from that to, I don't know the man in a very short time. But it gets worse. Verse 73, after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself and he swore to them, I don't know the man for the third time. Immediately a rooster crowed and then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And then he went outside and wept bitterly. We, we didn't have a weeping Peter. They didn't put that in the... But he went out and wept. And there you have it. The man who witnessed every miracle. The man who heard every brilliant teaching. The one who was supposed to be the one through which Jesus built his church. Couldn't even admit in public that he knew the man. Couldn't even admit it. And now this, this was a part of his story. He could never unwrite this moment. He couldn't erase it. Had Peter been able to pause in the moment and ask himself the question, what story do I want to tell when this is all over? Maybe, maybe, maybe it might've allowed him to change his perspective and answer differently, but he allowed his emotion of fear to drive his decision-making. And if you look back on the decisions in your life that you regret, the ones you wish you could do over, the ones you wish uh, that you probably see, you probably find there's some powerful emotions behind those things. Fear, desire, greed, lust, a longing for acceptance, um, dependence, hurt, anger. I mean, so many, <laughs> so many emotions to choose from that can drive our decisions. All of these things are tools that are used by our heart, which is our emotions or our own self to deceive us into making decisions that don't take us where we want to be. And a major step towards making decisions that strengthen you instead of weaken you, decisions that you're not soon going to regret, is to ask yourself the question, what story do I want to tell when this is over? What do I want to tell? Now, luckily for Peter, 
this wasn't the end of his opportunity to make decisions. Right? He added this embarrassing chapter to his story to be sure. He probably wishes it wasn't, wasn't written down, but his story wasn't over. And he wasn't the only one in this position in this moment. Right? Somebody else had written a bad chapter and kind of was in the same position as Peter now, and that was Judas. Because just the night before, he had betrayed Jesus. And he also had seen all the miracles and heard all the teachings and watched the crowds and saw his interactions with the religious leaders, right? But they both had messed up. They both had done things that would forever be a part of their story that they could never undo. But then they found themselves both in that position of, okay, I've done this thing, but now what? What do I do next? Well, what story do I write from this point? Judas, as you look at him, he never, he never regained perspective. He decided there was no coming back from what he had done. There was no way to fix it. There was gonna be no redemption for him. And he chose to end his life and therefore his story and that's where it ended. And that's how everybody remembers Judas as the betrayer. That's how history remembers him. Peter, on the other hand, he could, he could have let that been the end of it. And everybody would have remembered Peter as the screw up disciple who always put his foot in his mouth and missed the point. And then at the very end of all of it, deny that he ever knew Jesus. That could have been the end of his story and how we remember him today. But instead, he, he was able to separate himself from the embarrassment. The embarrassment of that night, of denying Jesus, of being weak. He was able to separate himself from that and become what Jesus had said he would be, the rock on which he built the church. Because Peter would go on to play a pivotal role in getting the gospel out of the first century. Right? He was a key to, to, to getting the story of Christ out and spreading it so much so that the Catholic church considers him the first Pope, right? The first, imagine that. I mean, that's a turnaround from denying that you even know the man to being considered the first Pope. That's a pretty good comeback, right? Peter had no idea. He had no idea what hung in the balance of his decision of what he would do after this moment. But he made the decision that he was going to live a story from here on out that he would be proud to tell. He didn't know how it was gonna turn out. In fact, death was in his future for the decisions that he would make. But he was going to serve Jesus in a manner that he would be proud to tell. So, let me ask you this question. What is your story so far? In fact, it's kind of a pretty good practice to um, maybe take some time and figure out what those few sentences from each phase of your life are. Because maybe, maybe you're not aware of the story you've really written to this point. Maybe you're just going from thing to thing to thing and not realizing the story that it's telling behind you. And maybe some of you going back and writing down your story a little bit might be a little eye-opening. 
Maybe. And as you think about it, you're going to be forced to confront some things. Do you, do you have some unsavory chapters? Many of us do. Right? Are there parts of your story you wish you could go back and change? I, I would double raise my hand that I have those parts of my story. And if you do, the question then becomes, are you going to let those parts be the parts that define you? Are you going to let those parts be the major part of your story? Or are you going to be able to remove yourself from the emotion of your circumstances and be able to, from this point forward, ask yourself, what story do I want to tell down the road? What do I want people to remember about my life? Right? What is the decision that when it comes time to talk about my story in front of people that I won't want to skip over it real fast and hope they don't realize I left a major chunk of life out and ask about it? Right? What do I want my story to be? And for many of you, uh, that will be, that'll be a question that you'll have to ask time and time again as you go through different phases of life. Right? This isn't just a one-time deal asking this question and like, oh, I answered it, and then you never have to think about it again. Eventually, this season of your life is going to be a story that you tell. So I encourage you, write your story. Don't let your story just happen to you. Right? Live, live it well. As you face major decisions in life, run it through the filter. What do I want to tell about this moment when I have to tell about it? Because someday you're going to talk to somebody about it. And you're either going to be able to tell a story where you're proud of the decision you make and you can say, this is how it worked out and God is good. Or it can be one of those parts of your story where you're like, I'm really embarrassed to tell this and please don't think bad of me, but these are things that, I did and went through. So don't be like Peter in the moment and allow emotions to affect your decisions. But take your cue from Peter after this, that from here on out, if you ask yourself, what story do I want to tell? That can be a major, major tool to make the decisions in your life that will A, get where you where get you where you want to go, and B, strengthen you in the process. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you for um, the opportunities that you give us throughout life to pause and, and take stock to be able to pause and look back and, and evaluate how we're doing. To, to kind of be able to look at the choices and the decisions we've made and the things that we've done and, and begin to look and see what the story of our life is beginning to look like. And Lord, for some of us, if we're honest and we go back and we begin putting our story together, we're going to realize that we don't like the story our life is telling. And Lord, if there's anybody in this room today that's in that position, Lord, I pray that you don't let this idea leave their mind. From day to day to day as decisions are being made, Lord, let, 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 let my voice be a nagging, a nagging one in the back of their mind when they're making decisions. What story do you want to tell? What do you want the story of your life to be?
And Lord, let us begin to filter not just ourselves and what we want life to be, but God, the life that you have in store for us as we ask this question and we make decisions in life. Lord, I thank you for the examples that are preserved in these scriptures for us to be able to take inspiration and direction in life. Now be with us as we go until we meet again in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being out this morning and look forward to seeing you next week as we continue on with our Sunday school stories.